Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Afternoon Drive. Goodman Mason. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP.com. In the meantime, great giveaway going on at Sasquatch and Wildcard Casino in Blackhawk. Giving away a large model RC-104 Starfighter. If you don't want it, no problem. They're going to give you nearly $28,000 in cash instead. This is a remote-controlled jet. you got to see this to believe it. Giving that away on March 26th and 27th. While you're up there, you can have their great prime rib dinner, full dinner, for $6.95. Of course, they have a terrific sports book, really loose slots. They're a great casino. Go check them out. With that, Mace, how are you in Mobile, Alabama? I'm doing pretty well. It's a, it's going to be a rainy next couple of days. Today actually was a pretty nice day. It's snowing but, here for 30 uh, straight hours. I don't care about rain. Don't even yeah, bring, exactly. don't even bring it. Uh, yeah, th- th- this is your this weather is nothing, complaints. But, um, just started. Yeah, you know what? I think we all kind of came into the day thinking we'd talk about one thing and then the events of the last several hours have led it to be something completely different. And let's get to it. Time now for the lead. The lead is presented by Smoke and Dave's Barbecue and Brew, Colorado's best barbecue since 2007. Go get some tonight in Denver, Centennial, Longmont, Lyons, and Estes Park. Well, in the last couple of hours, a huge story has broken, and it could shake the NFL to its foundation. Former Dolphins head coach Brian Flores is suing the NFL, as well as the Broncos, the Giants, the Dolphins, along with other identified individuals alleging racism in their hiring process and saying in the lawsuit, uh, racist hiring practices by the league have left it racially segregated and managed like a plantation. Here is an excerpt from the lawsuit talking about white owners, quote, Owners watch the game atop NFL stadiums in their luxury boxes, while their majority black workforce put the bodies on their lo- uh, put their bodies on the line every Sunday, taking vicious hits and suffering debilitating injuries to their bodies and their brains, while the NFL and its owners reap billions of dollars. Among the allegations, let's start it locally. When Flores interviewed with the Broncos in 2019, Flores alleges. John Elway and Joe Ellis showed up an hour late for the interview, and it was, quote, obvious they had been drinking heavily the night before. The complaint alleges the Denver interview was also a sham to comply with the Rooney rule. Then the Broncos hired Vic Fangio. Here is something else in the lawsuit. This against the New York Giants, calling their interview process recently a sham just to comply with the Rooney rule. The complaint says New York had already told others it selected Brian Dayball as their new head coach before interviewing Flores. This was allegedly confirmed during a text exchange between Flores and Bill Belichick. Of course, the two worked together with the Patriots organization. Belichick texted to Flores, I'm hearing from Buffalo and New York, you are the guy. Then Belichick realized he was texting 
Brian Flores and not Brian Dayball, who eventually got the Giants job. If you thought that wasn't enough, there's more. Also part of the lawsuit, Dolphins owner Stephen Ross allegedly told Flores he'd pay him $100,000 for every loss in 2019 to help them tank and that Ross pressured Flores into violating the NFL's anti-tampering rule. According to Flores, Ross got mad during a win streak in which there were only a pair of two-game winning streaks, by the way, that season. The 2020 draft that Ross was trying to tank for for featured Joe Burrow, who is the number one pick, Tua Tagovailoa, who the Dolphins selected with the fifth overall pick, and Justin Herbert, who was eventually selected sixth by the Chargers. I'll let you start unpacking this. I mean, where do we begin? I mean, th- this, first of all, there's something interesting here. This there's this is a class action suit that he's filing. And because of that, you could literally have other people around the NFL, other potential coaches that join this. According to Charles Robinson of Yahoo, he tweeted this out. About a half hour ago, quote, I've spoken to two other coaches who believe they have the receipts to be a part of the class action lawsuit, unquote. This this might be on the level of Kurt Flood in baseball. Yeah, we'll talk more ter- about that later on in the show. The, yeah, right. In terms of where uh, where this could go. I mean, this this is potentially monumental in football. Well, let's put something in perspective. I am not an attorney, but I do happen to have seven attorneys in my family. And don't hold it against me that I'm Jewish and make it a stereotype, but I certainly know enough about the law to be dangerous. The question is this, and I'm going to piggyback off something that you said. Others that might join the lawsuit have receipts. The question is, how valid are those receipts? Are they documented receipts or are they verbal receipts? We can pick through this piece by piece. How is Flores going to prove that Elway and Ellis came in off of a hangover? You might be able to to prove they came in late. Okay, I've had interviews where the person interviewing me was an hour late. But how are you going to prove that they were coming off a bender? That's number one. Go ahead. The only way you get get someone to prove that is is someone to corroborate that, but nobody, almost certainly nobody who was in that room is going to, is going to corroborate that under oath. Number two, I think number two, I think all of us would agree that Dan Quinn was the leading candidate for the Broncos job. I don't think any reasonable person would argue that before the Broncos process started looking for a head coach. But as I said on the show, and so did you, Nathaniel Hackett was the leader in the clubhouse after the first 18 holes, but there were still 54 holes to play. And if somebody blew away, if somebody blew away George Payton, that guy might very well get the job. And that's indeed what happened with that. You look at the new GM of the, the new GM of the giants coming from Buffalo Dayball coming from Buffalo, and it is a logical assumption that Dayball was going to get the job. I understand the text exchange between Belichick in which he said, I effed up actually in the text exchange. But generally speaking, 
if we're being honest, and this is human nature, you probably have a favorite going into the interview process. But the favorite doesn't always get the job looking at what happened with Nathaniel Hackett and also Dan Quinn. I think that is purely speculation as well. I think that would be difficult to prove. It would. It would. I think actually that the stuff that's sort of that is is more interesting in terms of be in terms of being able to prove is if you can get somebody else. If there's somebody in the Dolphins organization who could corroborate the hundred thousand dollars paid for every loss. Yeah, but that has nothing to do with racism. It doesn't have anything to do with so with that's racism, different. But that, so, so remember, yeah. in lawsuits. That's what I mean. That, yep. That's what I mean. There we go. It's not just. It's not just racism. There's a, there's a lot there's a lot of tentacles to this. Right. It's kind of what 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 path uh, do do you want to go down? The the racism is the is the headline, but at the same time percolating below this is the notion that teams do actively tank and maybe even reward their employees for this. You know what? And and I, and I say this very offhandedly. I don't mean this seriously. You know what Ross's biggest crime was? That Greer what? did not select Justin Herbert. They should be sued for that instead yeah. of taking Tua Tagovailoa, but I digress. The point is, in a lawsuit, there are multiple counts, and that's what this is going to be. At the end of the day, if the only count that anybody is found guilty for is somebody who's in the room that heard Ross say to Flores, I'll give you a grand for every loss, yes, I think that the NFL... It won't be a good look, but this racism thing, okay, the Rooney rule is the bigger problem. You can make the case ethically it looks very bad for the NFL. Both, neither one are good, but if you had to choose which one you wanted to be fully dropped, you want the Rooney rule to be fully dropped, even though though the ethics of the league through an owner would certainly be challenged and you're wondering if there's an even playing field. Yeah. By the way, the Broncos have issued a statement on the lawsuit. Why don't okay. you read it? Let's, let's, I'll read it start in full. Quote, the allegations from Brian Flores directed toward the Denver Broncos in today's court filing are blatantly false. Our interview with Mr. Flores regarding our head coaching position began promptly at the scheduled time of 7.30 a.m. on January 15th or January 5th, pardon me, 2019 in a Providence, Rhode Island hotel. There were five Broncos executives present for the interview, which lasted approximately three and a half hours, the fully allotted time, and concluded shortly before 11 a.m. Pages of detailed notes, analysis, and evaluations from our interview demonstrate the depth of our conversation, sincere interest in Mr. Flores as a head coaching candidate. Our process was thorough and fair to determine the most qualified candidate for our head coaching position. The Broncos will vigorously defend the integrity and values of our organization and its employees from such baseless and disparaging claims, unquote. And I do know for a fact that there, those, there are plenty of there are plenty of notes that they have internally on this. That that's something that, that that's part and parcel of how they do the interview process. Okay, I asked this. I asked this jokingly, as much as anything else. Uh, you are a professional writer. Do you see any spelling errors or punctuation problems in that statement? Um, I mean, I'm only looking at. I'm, I, guess, I'm only looking at. Yeah, I'm guessing you don't. Glance. I'm guessing you don't. So whoever wrote it was totally sober. So you know. Nobody was drunk writing that, which is a good thing, which is a good thing. But here's the thing. While this has nothing to do with it, and at the end of the day, at the end of the day, a judge looking at this would not take what I'm about to say into account. 
it's pretty hard, if we're being completely honest, it's pretty hard to accuse John Elway and Joe Ellis of racism when their previous coach was Vance Joseph. Right, and that's that's one thing that uh, has to come up. I mean, is it po- is it possible that maybe uh, one person went, one or multiple people went in there and were not kind of a hundred percent on their game at that for for an interview? Yes, that that's possible. But when they when they had a previous head coach who was black, who they 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 had a minority who was a head coach earlier in the decade, albeit interim, but that was Eric Stu- Studisville. So they had, so if you count Studisville as a head coach, you've literally had two, two head coaches in the past dozen years of, of the Broncos who are minorities. And here's something, so and here's something that, else that, that, that that's going to make it hard right. for us to prove that he, specific aspect of it. And Mace, here's something else. We want to reverse engineer this thing. And you know, this as well as I do. You can make a very strong case that it was the opposite of the Rooney rule when Vance Joseph was hired, because no matter how many white candidates John Elway interviewed, he had his mind made up that it was going to be Vance Joseph. Right. Uh, He went he he went into that as the favorite and literally had been uh, ever because every team always keeps a list of potential coaching candidates, even if you've got a really successful head coach. So even while Gary Kubiak was winning 20, you know, 24 games in two seasons as Broncos head coach, there was a, you know, there, there was a list in, in their minds of who would make a good coach if they had to move on from Gary Kubiak. And of course, Kubiak did step away. Vance Joseph was the guy that they had in mind for literally multiple years as right. somebody who could eventually be a good future head coach of the Denver Broncos, even though it didn't work out for him to succeed. Well, coming up after the break, I think the timing of this lawsuit is somewhat ironic considering the Broncos are now officially up for sale, and we know one of the guys who is interested in buying the team, a local guy, a minority guy, a black guy, Robert F. Smith. How much will this news today affect the possibility of Robert F. Smith becoming the first black owner in the NFL. That's next. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman, Mason, watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for... Wholesale lumber to the public, not retail, but wholesale. Go to rmfp.com. Time now for The Buzz. The Buzz is presented by Eric Cook at Farmers Insurance. The Cook Insurance Group, focused on people, not policies. Call today at 303-790-8089. That's 303-790-8089. Okay, big news coming out of the Denver Broncos besides the lawsuit that we talked about 
in the previous segment, the Broncos are officially up for sale. And the Broncos are hoping a new owner will be in place before the start of this upcoming season. Uh, Andrew, as you know, I was out of town yesterday uh, with Les's family in Scottsdale. I was not keeping up fully on the news 100% like I usually do, but checking it on and off. And what I missed, and Danny pointed out to me, that Robert Smith, uh, the guy who is reportedly interested in buying the Broncos, is no longer interested in buying the Broncos. I had teased that going into the break, so I want to make a correction. This coming from Nine News, and here's a quote. Robert's priorities right now are on the fight for voting rights and economic justice rather than being an owner of a team, according to a source. He continues to be the most focused on how he can help understand communities gain access to capital, health care, education, and the ballot box. Pursuing ownership of the Broncos is not on his radar right now. So, yeah, like here's some, like some, one of the things that he's interested in, like in in uh, in a recent year, he paid off all yes. of the student loan debt for, debt for an entire graduating class right. at Morehouse College. These are the sorts of things that are Robert Smith's focus and passion right now, less so football. Well, if we're being completely honest and, the, and at the risk of sounding completely cynical, he has a little history as well with some financial issues. And I'm yeah, wondering if I'm wondering yeah. if that stuff would have been brought up and maybe that's why he has decided not to pursue ownership. But either way, as much as the NFL would like a minority owner, it is not going to be Robert Smith. Period. Right. It won't so, be. So let's move on. Does it really matter to you who the owner is? Do you have a favorite? Is there somebody you'd like to see by the team? I mean, at this point, not a favorite person, not a favorite person. And I think in the end, we're going to see people in the mix that, frankly, the, the general public has not heard of. I mean, we kind of focus on the names that are known, but there's just as as good a chance that it's somebody who's not known, maybe outside of financial circles. What you do want, though, I mean, you, you obviously want somebody or somebody's who are who are financially well healed enough to where they can execute this per this purchase with a minimum of debt service. And then you want a, somebody or somebodies who have a commitment to having to, to ensuring the as ensuring that the asset, the team does well. And it's not just in terms of making money, but understanding that, Hey, sometimes you might kind of be on for a year on the edge of profit and uh, on the on the break even edge but you're investing more in the team at, at that moment that's so you want that sort of concern you don't want an owner who is going to scrutinize every paper clip or every pen or a, a, every you know every little expenditure you want somebody who frankly who is invested has some money and is not cheap well, I don't think that's honestly your biggest worry, if you want to know the truth. I really don't. Um, because at the end of the day, if you're spending that type of money, I don't think you're going to ever be accused of being cheap. Well, that you're spending it, but but it's possible that what you, you may look and say one of the reasons why you made the money that you did was by kind of tightening t tightening everything. And in an NFL organization, to c compete with everybody else, it's not... It's not an. It's not a place where frugality is sure. reward. If you know what, if you want to say, like for example, we'll, let's talk about like a local billionaire, Charlie Ergen, who runs a Dish Network. Okay, one of the reasons why he succeeded is by basically, you know, 
focusing in on you know every last expenditure, saving every every dime. I'm not sure Charlie Ergen would be the kind of person you would want owning the Broncos because there'd be that kind of bottom line focus that maybe another owner would not have. Well, you can't really you can't really be cheap. I don't think when it comes to the salary cap, when it comes to players, where can you be cheap? You can be cheap in areas where maybe the food isn't going to be as good. You cut back your scouting staff, things like yep. that. But I'm going to call that one B as a concern. You know, it would be one A. What would you rather have? A Charlie Ergen, who, and I'm not saying he pinches pennies, but you brought his name up. Or, or I won't even bring his name up. Would you rather have a penny pincher as an owner? or a meddling owner like a Daniel Snyder? What would be worse? Because to me, a meddling owner is worse. The meddling owner is worse if they remain meddling despite failure. In other words, yeah, if, if you get Daniel Snyder, a meddling owner who in 22, in 22, now 23 years, has not learned how to rein himself in, that's a problem. If you have a meddling owner like, for example, Ted Turner, was a meddling owner when he first bought the Atlanta Braves. And by and large, for the first 10, 10 years on the job, they struggled. When he finally figured out that what he was doing wasn't working, and he handed the reins to people, in particular it was Bobby Cox back in 1986, and said, you know what, this is your show, you do what you need to do, I will just sit here and write the checks. Henceforth. Okay, so let when me, that when that light bulb went on, yep. it started to work. But the light bulb has not gone on for Dan Snyder. That I do agree with you. That is the worst kind of owner. Okay, is someone who is meddling and never understands that the best thing they can do is step away and just write the checks. So you agree? There's a one A and a one B. Neither are yes. neither are good. But yes, right. even if the new owner took him ten years, that that's a ten that's ten years essentially of taking Robert Griffin. Right? That's yes. 10 years of taking yeah. him. And you don't want that at all. Coming up after the break, Tom Brady made it official today. He retired. I think any reasonable person would agree he's the greatest quarterback of all time. But is he the greatest football player of all time? And I don't know if you saw it, but the headline for NBC Television in New York was unbelievable in summing up Tom Brady retiring. If you didn't laugh reading this, or if you haven't heard about it, we'll tell you what they wrote next. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back, Afternoon Drive. Goodman, Mason, watch us, milehighsports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. Time now for what's trending. 
What's Trending is presented by Optimum Golf. Take your game to the next level this offseason at Denver's best indoor virtual facility in the Park Hill and Rhino neighborhoods. Book your tee time today at theoptimumgolf.com. Okay, it is official. Tom Brady retired today. We're going to get to that in a second, but just want to let you know Andrew is down. Mobile, Alabama, covering the Senior Bowl. Broncos probably looking at quarterbacks. If they can't get an Aaron Rodgers or maybe a Russell Wilson, we will talk about that at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. With that, Brady has decided to call it quits. You really can't blame him. Said he wanted to spend more time with his family. Nothing else to really prove at the age of 44. I think any reasonable person would agree he is the greatest quarterback of all time. But where would you put him as the greatest football player of all time? Or because of the importance of the quarterback position, he is on top of the list. You just hit it there, I think, on with what you said at the end. I mean, the, pri- the primacy of the quarterback position kind of tilts tilts the scales toward him and certainly in terms of on field impact in terms of what one person could do on the field there's not there there is none greater than Tom Brady in the sport I say this with all respect to an outside linebacker like a Lawrence Taylor or a Von Miller I say this with all due respect to a wide receiver like a Jerry Rice or a Ronnie Lott. You have to have a pretty good acumen, a pretty high football IQ to be great at any position that you play. If we're talking about pure athletic talent, because unfortunately when we talk about who's the greatest, we tend to steer towards who has the greatest athletic talent. The truth is, when it comes to football IQ and certainly playing that position, it's incredibly underrated. I mean, look at what Nathaniel Hackett said when he was hired and he was asked about the quarterback position, what's the most important thing to you? Mental and physical toughness. And essentially what he said was a really high football IQ. I think that if we don't put Tom Brady at the top of the list, we are devaluing the importance of football IQ. Yeah, that's fair. And he was a step ahead. I mean, it, a different kind of, High football IQ than Peyton Manning, but they both kind of got to a very similar spot, right? Oh, I put Manning. I I put Manning at the top of that list. Yeah, high football IQ. Yeah, I mean they're both they're 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 both kind of they get they get to their spots in different ways. I mean with with Peyton, it's the kind of the the mind like a like a steel trap, and then uh, Tom Brady, it's kind of it's it's more you know Brady the thing that he could do really well is I frankly. He could manipulate defender. He could manipulate defenders uh, pre-snap in a, in a way that, that that very few, including Peyton Manning, could could do. They were, you know, it's the the difference I think in the end, and why you'll say Tom Brady's better than Peyton Manning and any other quarterback is is the level of on-field accomplishment, and right. and not just in terms of individual, but the team that's the team accomplishment. I I think you can maybe say you can say to some degree that. And I'm going to ask you this. Did anybody make their teams better than Tom Brady did? I think one guy's opinion, I know that he played with Wes Welker, but he made Wes Welker a great player. He did play mm-hmm. with Randy Moss, never won a Super Bowl with him. He had Rod, mm-hmm. he had Rob Gronkowski. Um, but I don't know if he necessarily had the level of talent around him. The only guy that you could make the case 
that truly did not have great talent around him early on in his career, and I say this with all due respect to our mutual friend Mark Jackson, is John Elway. But at the end, Rod Smith, Hall of Fame caliber wide receiver. Shannon Sharp in the Hall of Fame. Zimmerman blocking his blind side. Terrell Davis, Hall of Famer. So in the end, Elway had it. But when you look at Montana, he had Jerry Rice, Roger Craig. Uh, when you look at Peyton Manning, uh, Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne, uh, Demarius Thomas, he had a lot of talent around him. I would say, but when you add it all up, maybe with the exception of Elway, certainly early on in his career, winning Super Bowls for him, not counting, I'm sorry, not counting Tampa, because with Godwin and Evans and Gronkowski and Leonard Fournette, he was loaded with offensive talent. That was the most talented in terms of offensive talent. The Bucks of 2020 that went to the Super Bowl, that was the most talented team I think Tom Brady ever played on. Right. In terms of offensive talent around him. But generally speaking, for the majority of his career, you know, you, you're, you're winning with Deion Branch and Troy Brown. No disrespect to them. Um, uh, later, later on in his career, he had Gronkowski. He had Edelman. He had Amendola. I don't know if any of those guys outside of Gronkowski is going into the Hall of Fame. Wes Welker, yeah, well, I mean, Wes Welker was yeah, fantastic. Look, look at the 2018 Patriot team. The, that was his last championship with New England. They didn't have a 1,000-yard rusher. They didn't have a pass catcher who even had 900 yards. Right. It was, it, 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 now, you had a lot of guys that added up, and it was a, it was a productive offense in the end, but that was very – you because know, Gronkowski was struggling with injuries. He missed some, he missed some time that year. You had, uh, I mean, Julian Edelman missed some time that year. It was very, it was very much a, an example of kind of having to do at that moment more with less. And Tom and, and Tom Brady did that. He and that was his age forty one season, right? And that says a lot about how he even at, after he turned forty could elevate the Bucks championship last year. That's kind of a nice bonus, and I think for him, he wanted to prove that he could win a title without Bill Belichick, and he did. But he, that that was an incredibly talent, talented offense. The accomplishments of winning in 2018 with a fairly, an okay but pretty pedestrian group of skill guys, and then that first title that he had back in uh, in 01, I think those are, those are accomplishments which, which better reflect Brady's ability to elevate a uh, – frankly, a relatively ho-hum cast, supporting cast. On offense, on offense, on defense, they had McGinnis. I mean, they were loaded. Defensively, they were really, really good. NBC TV in New York, the snark that is (laughs) New York City, the headline today, NBC television in New York, Tom Brady, who lost two Super Bowls to the Giants during his legendary 22-year NFL career, retires. Clearly, anybody who read that got a good laugh. Now, yes. now, when you look at the overall arc of Brady's career, you have to include Spygate. You have to include Deflategate. How much of it all do you really think that tarnishes his image? I think in the end, not very, not much. I mean, he did serve the four-game suspension uh, back in... Uh, was it uh, 2016 or 2017? And then what did he do at the end of the season? 
Yeah. He led the Patriots back from a 28 to 3 deficit. 28 to 3 deficit in the Super Bowl yep. to beat the Atlanta Falcons. So Tom Brady got the last laugh. Now, let's look at his resume. And I'm not talking about numbers and stats. Or I am talking about numbers, but certainly not stats. You have to pick one and only one. What is more impressive, or you can pick your own one? Seven Super Bowl titles, which is more than any other franchise in NFL history, winning a Super Bowl in three different decades, or an 18-year gap bookending his first Super Bowl to his last. And they're all great choices. They're they're all great choices. Look, I'm going to rule out the three decades because... Why? Because some. Why? Well, the reason the reason why is you could have somebody that starts their career in like 2018 and then ends it in 2032, and then gets and and then just barely gets on to each decade. I'm going. I think it's the 18 years separating the first and last champ last championship. How many players play 18 years? Let alone play and and then to top it off he was mvp in those super bowls that were 18 years apart not only to win but to be by that definition the most important player in that team winning and to do so with with that with that gap it was actually i believe uh in in the end it was um, just over, like a week over. Like it was exactly about 19 years between well, the time he won, between February of 02, winning the first Super Bowl for him, and then February of 21, his seventh Super Bowl. I'll respect that. That I, I think is 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 the more singular accomplishment. I'll respectfully disagree for this reason, because I'm going to take your argument and add to it with my argument. Most people would say seven Super Bowl titles more than any other franchise. I think that's the obvious choice. And to your point, you know, a guy starting in 2018, listen, Tom Brady was drafted what year? 2000. Okay. So he had it perfectly on the screws starting right at the beginning of a decade and then leaking into the third decade, which gave you the 18, 19 year gap, whatever it is. And while that is incredibly impressive, somebody could do that only winning two Super Bowls. With him, it wasn't just two. He was consistent all the way throughout. He won every single decade. Somebody could do it and play that long and win at the beginning and the very end. But that's only two. He had seven, which should tell you how consistent he was for three decades. And that, to me, is why that would be the winner. That's fair. I still think it's the 19 years separating the, the, the championships. Danny, what Just do you think? Uh, I think you made a very good point, Eric. It is about consistency because even if you have the longevity, being able to play at that high level throughout the entire span of the career is really, I think, I think that's what elevates him. Would you say this if Mace was sitting here right now looking him in the eye and saying, which, you, which is what you're really saying without saying it, Mace, you're wrong. 
Because that's what well, you're Mace really saying. Well, Mace is making a good point, too. Yeah, because, but you just told him he's wrong. Because it's you... very impressive to win when you're early in your career and late in your career. Let's, let's, get, let's brass tax but if someone You told is, him he's wrong. It's if okay. If someone's more right, right, I guess you are more right. Right. So you In told, my opinion. Would you have the, the chutzpah to tell Mace he was wrong to his face, or are you only telling him this because he's not here? Well, I tell you, you're wrong to your face sometimes, so I would do it to Mace. Why do you got to antagonize like that, Eric? I mean, can't you just let it be? Let, let, it, they're all great accomplishments. <laughs> thanks, Dan. Thanks, appreciate that. You're welcome. Yeah, thanks for this. Listen, we've been doing the show longer than you and Mace have been doing the show. I thought you were talking. That's true. Okay. All right. What do we have coming up on Mountain High Appliance, just in case you missed it? Well, uh, my loyalty to you, not unlike the loyalty of some college players to their uh, former coaches, when coaches move with the transfer portal, we're seeing players move as well. One big-name quarterback on his way out west to the Pac-12, and also Winter Olympics tomorrow. They're here. They kind of snuck up on us. There are events tomorrow. So we're getting into all that next right here on Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason on Mile High Sports. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman Mason. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. Time now for the final word. The final word. Presented by Greenfield's Pool and Sports Bar in Lakewood. Greenfield's has everything under one roof, including the best happy hour in town. Two for one wine, well, and drafts from 3 until 7 p.m. Just in case you missed it. Presented by Mountain High Appliance, Colorado's favorite appliance store for 25 years in Louisville, Colorado Springs, and now open in their new store in Littleton. Go to mountainhighappliance.com. Just in case you missed it, former Oklahoma quarterback Caleb Williams is transferring to USC. It's been the speculation for a while that he would head out there following his former coach at Oklahoma, Lincoln Riley. And so that's where he will be for his sophomore season. Players are flooding to join the Trojans after Riley took the head coaching job. Even some CU buffs have switched their allegiance from Colorado to USC heading out there to LA. With the new coach, with a lot of guys heading out there either from college or going to be committing in the next couple years, do you think USC will be a playoff team this season? And if not, how long before Lincoln Riley takes them up into the top four? I mean, the thing that could help them be a playoff team this season is a relatively benign schedule, of course, with the uh, uh, with the with the Pac-12, which has not produced teams that have been in the college football playoff. The three non-conference games for SC are Rice, Fresno, 
Notre Dame at home on Thanksgiving weekend. The, 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 the stars are aligned for SC to put together a 12-0 and season, or even if there's a slip-up, 11-1 and heading into the Pac-12 championship. I think... I'm no, I don't know if I don't think they're the favorite to be the number one seed, but I do expect the team that SC is putting together to be in the playoff, much like a lot of Lincoln Riley's teams were in the playoff at Oklahoma. Doesn't necessarily mean they're going to win in the playoff, like OU didn't win the playoff, but I think they'll be there. By the way, speaking of the transfer portal, did you see the uh, story in the uh, Greeley Tribune about Ed McCaffrey and um, University of Northern Colorado? Oh my gosh! Yeah, that's that was. I read that over the weekend, and I don't know if we're going to have a chance to dive into that, but that's we'll, that's, we'll, that's about as bad as it gets. We'll, we'll dive into it more tomorrow, but just in a nutshell, yeah. uh, Northern Colorado is tied for the third highest number of players in the NCAA transfer portal out of all of the FCS schools and leads the nation in transfers with 28, many of whom declared their departures this week or last mm-hmm. week. And apparently it is not good up there. And a lot of people, the majority of the people are pointing the finger at Ed McCaffrey for playing favorites specifically with his son, Dylan. Yeah. And it and is ugly up there. Yeah. The, the, the details, of the report, we'll get into that tomorrow, but uh, from the Greeley Tribune, it reveals a, a toxic, toxic program right now up in Greeley. And listen, I, I can't claim to know Ed McCaffrey that well. But I've talked to a number of people who know him well, and I'll put it to you this way. They don't have a lot of good things to say about him from all walks of life. And I'm not talking about when he played for the Broncos. It's just the way he is. It's all about the McCaffrey family and the people that I am familiar with who do know him well. Not to say he's a bad guy, but the way he operates business. Does that make sense? I'm separating the two, right? Yeah. Separating the two. Some, and 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 there and from what that report said, it, look, there are certain aspects of running a football program that appear to be too big for him. Oh well, I'm looking forward to uh, us getting into that one a little bit more then this week yep. because I hadn't seen that story yep. yet either. Yep, I have seen his condiments on the shelves at grocery stores though. Right. <laughs> uh, just in case you missed it, it kind of snuck up on us here. The Winter Olympics opening ceremonies on Friday. February 4th, but tomorrow there are events in curling and luge. Oh, Mace, you're set. Curling. Can't wait curling, to watch the I curling. Three-man luge? I think, oh, I don't that. think so. No. But there are you seven... Keep going back to, you keep going back to that joke <laughs> over and over again, Eric. Three-man luge. You've made that at least a half dozen times since we started doing this show together. Right. What's wrong with the three-man luge? There are seven new events this year, not three-man luge, unfortunately, but women's monobob, men's and women's big air skiing, mixed team relay and short track speed skating, mixed team ski jumping, mixed team snowboard cross, and freestyle skiing, mixed team aerials. So a lot of those X game types events making their way into the Olympics uh, anything on that list really sticking out as something that you're looking forward to seeing at these 2022 Winter Olympics in Beijing? If we can't you- have the three-man luge, can we have three-man skeleton? It's just the same thing. They're Would just they flipped be around. laying on top of each other? If, well, that's what it is. <laughs> the person in the middle, they could be up or down. Totally up to them. Uh, I don't know what's more aerodynamic. 
he, you know, you know what? Um, mono bobs. That's a one-person bobsled, right, Danny? Correct. That, okay. Uh, m- more more bobsled and luge, but not the three-person luge. I want to, you know, I, I like seeing a one-person bobsled. So now with bobsled, we have one, two, and four. Now, okay, what's missing? There's your three-man thing right there, Eric. But we're, we have a one-person bobsled, a two-person bobsled, a four-person bobsled, but we don't have three. Why don't we have three? You know what I would like to see? And I've given this a lot of thought. When they have figure skating and then they have pairs and they have the men's and the women's, and I would like to see them lay out the ice where there is thin ice in certain spots. And if you, and if you fall through, they're sharks. That would be exciting. That would be exciting. Maybe a little dangerous, but yeah. very exciting. Yeah. I mean, you don't, it's like landmines. You have no idea where there is thin ice. You accidentally hit it, boom, you go down, and then you have an underwater camera with great white sharks. That would be exciting actually, to watch. Actually, in all seriousness, you talk about figure skating. You I know am what I serious. wouldn't mind seeing? I would, I would actually like to see synchronized figure skating where you have like a four person team. And they have to synchronize, like, like synchronized swimming, right? They have yep. to synchronize their 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 jumps and their moves at the same time. You know what I would like to see? Yeah, the synchronized diving, too. That's a fun yeah. one to watch. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you one thing that you will never see at the Winter Olympics, ever. Three-man luge? Nope. There's a better chance of seeing the three-man luge or thin ice where there are great white sharks underneath than Johnny Weir without makeup. Ugh. Or a new hairstyle for every single event. You still there? I'm here. Okay, I'm let's go to break. That was Mountain High Appliance. Just in case you missed it, Mandy had a fantastic experience working with Mountain High Appliance, and this is why I'm telling you this. There was a little there. There was a little problem when her uh, stackable washer and dryer got there when they were taking it apart out of the box in the driveway. They noticed a small little dent. No fault of Mountain High Appliance, but the guys delivering it refused to put it in her house saying, we need to take this back because we need to make sure it's right. She worked with customer service and everything worked so smoothly. That's the type of company that you want to work with that take care of things quickly and as well, want to make sure you get what you want exactly the way you want it. Mountain High Appliance, you can find them in Louisville, Littleton. You can also find their clearance center in Denver. Coming up after the break, Mace, you are at the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama. You had a chance to see a lot of quarterbacks out there. Who's your favorite if the Broncos have to go fishing for a quarterback? That's next.